Hello and welcome to the Turtle Tracks Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Van Hooker, and with me today is Barry Gordon, the voice of Donatello and Bebop on the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon, who I am extremely excited to talk to. So thanks so much for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Donatello thanks you. Uh, Bebop thanks you too. I have been a Donatello fan, uh, like, I forever. And I've had Rob Paulson and Townsend Coleman and and, and Cam Clark, everybody else on it. And I was like, man, I haven't been able to get Barry Gordon yet. So <laughs> I'm very excited. So. That's because I'm retired, not easy to find. That's basically why. So, But I'm glad we found each other, Brian. Same here. I, I actually had the pleasure of meeting you at Granite Con in 2019. Um, I'm sure I was highly memorable and the hundreds of people lined up to get you something signed. But I was I had you sign an animation cell and it was I was delighted to meet you. So, Well, thank you. I appreciate that. That was a great con too. Like you, I don't know if you remember that one, but right before it COVID- was a very enjoyable con. Yeah, yeah, it was terrific. I mean, it was it was just before the pandemic hit, so yeah, uh, that was you know that was happy memories as as it is. In the anything before the pandemic hit is our our happy memories. But precisely, uh, I guess to get started, I would love to hear your memories of how you got the role of Donatello. I, uh, you know, the way people get roles. Uh, I auditioned for it. Um, my agent called me uh, one day and said, uh, I'm sending you up for a new cartoon. Um, it's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I said, yeah, what, what, what's it really called? You know, <laughs> sure. making shit up. Excuse me. Can I say that? Oh, please bring it up. Okay. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, uh, it turned out that that's exactly what it was. And um, and we uh, I, I later found out I read for all four turtles mm. and I later found out that all of us read for all four turtles. Um, and, uh, you know, so all I saw, I saw the the original copy and I saw uh, some uh, some pictures of uh, of Donatello and. And I decided, for whatever reason, just to use my own voice. Hmm. Um, and because uh, I'm kind of getting away with that for a while anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> In cartoons, I mean, usually it was pretty much my own voice, just sure. with a little flavor added. And um, and so I decided just to, you know, use my own voice, but a kind of a light version of it. Um, so it didn't sound too old because I was already in my late thirties. And, um, so, uh, so I did. And, uh, and when I, I remember finishing the audition of all four and coming away and saying that, first of all, I thought I was impressed by the copy. Hmm. I thought it was really smart, really good copy. And I liked it. And I, and I was impressed by the whole idea of it. And uh, but I remember walking away and 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 thinking to myself, gee, I hope I get Donatello of, oh, cool. of the four. That's the one I want. And um, and it, it worked out. And then interestingly, and I'm sure you've heard this from the other guys, but interestingly, I was cast and then Rob was cast uh, as Raphael. But uh, Townie and Cam were still vying for. Uh, whether it was they were going to be either Leonardo or Michelangelo, they were going to be one of them. Sure. So it was going to be the four of us, but they didn't know which roles they were going to do. 
uh, until they actually got to the studio. It's so interesting to me to hear like you guys, I know all four of you read for everything, but like you can almost kind of see how Townsend, like, you know, having done the tick could have ended up being Leonardo and Cam could have been Michelangelo. I can't imagine you being anybody but Donatello. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I played a kind of uh, on a, one of my first things that I'd done in the seventies was a, um, a Hanna-Barbera cartoon called Jabberjaw. Oh yeah. And in that, I played uh, a guy named Clamhead. And Clamhead was sort of shaggy, you know, in in Scooby-Doo a little bit. So kind of had a flavor of the, you know, the surfer dude kind of guy. And so, um, you know, so I wasn't too foreign to that. You know, I (laughs) definitely don't think I could have pulled off Leonardo. Um, and I and I I was certainly not the smart aleck that Rob was, so I could not pull <laughs> Raphael. So yeah, I mean Donatello was the one that that I felt really fit, and um, and and I I was really thrilled when I got it. So. Cool. Uh, you know, I, I, this is a, a little bit backwards, but like, what got you interested in acting and eventually voice work? Oh, that's a, such a long story because I, I've been in the business since I've been three years old wow. and I started as a child kind of prodigy singer, I guess. I don't know, for lack of a better term. I won the, uh, uh, well, almost won. I came in second on a national talent contest um, at that time. You know, it was kind of the precursor to Star Search and and America's Got Talent and American Idol. It was a thing called um, the Ted Mac Amateur Hour. Okay. And uh, they would go around the country and, you know, looking for talent. And one day uh, I was living in Albany, New York, and, and I was three years old. And my parents um, got a, a card, I guess, or a phone call that I don't know, saying, you know, that I'd been selected to audition for the Ted Mac Amateur Hour. And I we, we still don't really know how that happened. Yeah. Um, but I think it happened because I, I used to go around to our neighbors. We lived in like a development of like a suburban development in Albany. Okay. And I used to walk around to my neighbors and sing for them. Uh, and uh, And it could be that one of the neighbors submitted me. I know it wasn't my parents, but it could be that one of the neighbors submitted me. And uh, so I got on. First of all, I won the local contest, which was the these three cities in upstate New York, uh, Troy, Schenectady, and Albany. And I won that uh, singing. And then I uh, did not win the national, but I was on national TV and came in second. And from that, I um, I got asked to do a, a regular kind of kids talent show out of New York uh, called Star Time Kids. And I started doing that. And that was sort of the first time that I did, you know, comedy sketches along with the acting. And then I sort of became a, I don't know, a child phenom, I guess. And I was on like every major variety show. Uh, Milton Berle at that time, Jackie Gleason, Perry Como, all those all those shows. And I was on it as a kid, you know, singing. 
And still only, you know, uh, this was from the time I was about four to the time I was about six. And when I was six, I happened to do one of the shows with a, a guy who, who had an orchestra and uh, that had just had a hit record because orchestras had hit records in those days. <laughs> and they were looking for a vocalist to do a Christmas show, a uh, song um, called I'm Getting Nothing for Christmas. And uh, and I got that gig um, and uh, that kind of meant that I was going to be in show business for pretty much the rest of my life. So, um, cause it was you a on the very big hit. Always here on the radio. Are you on that? Ver is that you on the one that everybody hears every year? That should be me. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. In fact, I was shocked. Uh, billboard, uh, listed it as one of the top 10, uh, Christmas records of all time. So oh, wow. like really weird, but, um, but I did that. Then I did more variety shows. Then I did uh, a movie. Uh, and then uh, it just, I fell into acting. So I did a ton of on-camera acting before I ever went near voiceovers. Um, and I, I'd done Broadway. I'd done all kinds of things. I actually did one voiceover. I remember as a kid, I was the Cheerios kid for a short time. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, and I did that. But other than that, it was all either on stage acting or on screen acting, mostly television, a lot of TV. And then uh, one day they I got called for a voiceover. <laughs> and so that's how I ended up doing voiceovers. And then um, my agent started to focus on it. Uh, my commercial, it was actually the commercial agent started to focus on voiceover because that's how it worked in those days. The theatrical agent didn't touch voiceover, but the commercial agents did and they booked cartoons and they had an animation department. So I started doing animation, mostly at Hanna-Barbera, but also at Filmation. I, I was uh, Captain Marvel Jr. Um, and a couple of other roles. Um, before turtles came along so do you still sing i do i do but i'm 73 i don't have the voice that i had uh even five years ago or 10 years ago i mean i can still carry a tune but i don't have the breath control that i used to but yeah i i sing i i oh. love singing so um so you said you walked away from the auditions wanting donatello why was that why was donatello the one that stood out to you i think because he was the intellectual Sure. You know, and and I've always been beyond as well as my work in show business. I've always been interested in what you can see back here. <laughs> I've always been interested in politics and history, not science. I'm not a science guy, but I was sort of the political science counterpart to um, uh, to Donatello. And as a matter of fact, while I was doing Turtles, I was in law school Um and so I would actually be studying law while I was doing my voiceovers, which there are stories the guys love to make fun of me over. So there are stories about that of every of, of them goofing around while you're knee deep in law books. Not knee deep. It was oh. always one book at a time. Okay. You know, yeah, it was this thick, but it was you know this thick. Sure, but it was one book at a time. All right, fair enough. Not knee deep, but a lot of <laughs> highlighting. <laughs> I was doing a lot of highlighting and a lot of this, and then the line would come up, and uh, you know, I was lucky. I had good peripheral vision, and <laughs> I was able to kind of multitask. So, uh, so I didn't miss my cues. 
But sure. um, do you remember what it was like in those very early days, like first meeting those guys or like just getting get, went before you got all the rhythms down? I'm curious. We had we had so much fun. Yeah, we, we really did. Um, And I don't believe I was trying to think. Maybe I had worked with Rob before, but I don't even think so. I mm-hmm. don't think I've worked with any of the three guys. Oh, well. And um, and so uh, meeting them was just a kick and not just them, because it was Renee Jacobs. It was Jennifer Darling, who I had worked with before. Oh, cool. Uh, It was uh, James Avery, of course, uh, Peter Renaday. Um, So of all of them, I think the only one I'd worked with before was Jennifer. Oh, wow. and uh, what a great group of people. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Uh, right. It was just a fun, fun, fun group of people. I mean, we took the work seriously sure. to an extent, but there was plenty of time for laughter. And the thing with Turtles that was unlike most other cartoons that I had worked on up to that point, uh, actually, probably all other cartoons that I had worked on in the, up to that point, was the freedom to do a little improving. Oh, really? That's great. It, I mean, it had to be within a limited range, but but we were able to to, you know, kind of bring ourselves to the roles. And and, you know, if a line popped into our heads, we'd try it out. And uh, and especially, you know, Sue Blue is very open to that. Um, sure. And so uh, we we, you know, we're just having fun. And of course, oh, and I didn't mention the the king of improv, Pat Fraley. Um, and Pat was, I mean, he had us on the floor every, every week. I mean, we, we could not, we could hardly do our lines for laughing. And when he came up with Krang, uh, we said, where, how does, I mean, that is vocal genius. And, you know, and I just don't even know where he came up with a little bit of Catherine Hepburn and a little bit of (laughs) whatever else that was a bad stomach. I don't know. And it was just, just, uh amazing to listen to him week after week you know what's cool about that show is like you know i I, i'm somebody who can kind of you know get back into my nostalgia right but like re-watching i i kind of see that brian yes (laughs) mountain little (laughs) stuff behind me Mm -hmm. but like the the writing and like the gag writing on that show is genuinely very funny like yeah crank breaking the fourth wall all the time rob too like there's a lot of like jokes that like i didn't notice as a kid but man they're really funny now yeah. Like Marx Brother type things that really just stand out that are great. Well, I think that's sort of what I noticed even in the first script was <laughs> was that sort of direction. And uh, it was it was different for that time. It, yeah. it definitely was. And I think, you know, I keep trying to figure out what caused the turtle success and it's really hard to know why it broke through as much as it did. And maybe you can tell me better as a fan than I, I can understand it as a performer because I didn't know it was happening even while it was happening. But, but I think looking back, I think that we of all of them had a really good ability to cross over and reach both the Saturday morning audience and an older audience that yeah. was 
you know, that was coming up and, and that was, that was already, that was maybe not as tuned in to Saturday morning and maybe was more tuned in to, you know, ultimately, you know, transformers and things like that. But we kind of hit both of them. And, uh, and I think maybe that that's what made us uh, as popular as we were. Yeah, I don't think it was insufferable for parents. Like there was some genuinely funny things, and like the the voice acting was great. Like there, like and I I don't want to put down anything else, but like there are shows like like Transformers, for example, that are like okay, it's a bunch of robots turning into cars. Like like there's not much more right. to get there, right? But whereas like there's some funny stuff in Turtles that I don't know maybe made, didn't make it so insufferable. I also think um like the fact that there's the four turtles all of which have their sort of archetypes for people latch on to right so like yes i was always into donatello but they're you know i yeah we I, were the john paul george and ringo yeah there's somebody to last <laughs> saturday morning cartoons that's yeah. true yeah we, everybody saw themselves in one of the four turtles right yeah certainly boys right like i think that that's uh yeah. something to latch on to so um, well, so like, we might have had that in common with Scooby Doo, which also had archetypal absolutely. characters. So, and f- similarly, uh, a phenomenon, you know, like yeah. Behind, so, um, so you started as Donatello. How did Bebop come into the mix? When did, did you start doing that? <laughs> Whenever it was, I don't know which episode it was. It was possibly the first episode, or, or the second episode. I'm not sure. Okay. Um. And it's like usually, you know, with those with with cartoons, you know, and uh, some people may not realize this, but, you know, they don't hire a separate person for each role. So um, very frequently they will take the cast that already exists. And we were already a big cast because there was the four of us and the two women and Peter Renaday and Pat Fraley and James and. You know, so we were already a pretty big cast. A lot of people. So they didn't feel a need to go outside. So the way Bebop came up was just they had uh, the pictures of Bebop and Rocksteady. And I was it Sue or Stu? I, mean, I can't remember which said, uh, Barry, try Bebop. Hmm. That's how it came up. And so what do you do? You You kind of look at the picture, right? And okay, so he's a big guy and he was an animal and kind of a what a warthog or whatever. Yeah. And so with a mohawk, but he's kind of big. And all right, so you know, I'm obviously gonna be a lower voice. And he looked kind of dumb, and the script had him kind of dumb, so it's going to be a stupid voice. And that's kind of how Bebop came together. And I decided to make him heavy New York because, you know, we were in a sewer and we were in a a metropolitan place. So I made him, and then, uh, and then basically you know cam came up with his rock steady which really meshed with with my idea of bebop really well oh yeah and so uh you know we we did it i don't remember who had the first line whether i had the first slide or he had the first line but uh yeah you know probably him because he was like in the when you're still the humans he's the rock steady's the leader of the gang or whatever appears to be so it might have been him. So I might have also pulled my voice from him. Mm. So I could have listened to him and, and he's up here, which he was, you know, then I knew I had to go lower. Sure. You know, so you, those are the it's kind of just 
a lot of common sense goes into it and 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 instinct you know did that voice hurt to do it often as often as you did if you do it you know over and over and over but if yeah if i had a whole script of bebop maybe but no just for a few lines at a time it didn't and i was fortunate in a way because i was a singer mm. so i had a broad um singing range i had a broad vocal range and that meant that i could push my voice down or bring my voice high so i was able to to kind of do both of those things you're talking about bebop episodes some of those are the best ones where like there's one my favorite one of the whole series is bebop and rock city become network executives of channel six and it's oh great. yes it's great it's the best episode it's so. <laughs> Those are the funniest episodes. I keep promising myself I'm going to have to go back and watch them. I don't even know if I watched all of them. I probably oh. didn't. You know, I probably caught them when I could catch them on Saturday afternoon. You know, a Saturday morning, rather. Sure. I, I did watch the, the original five. That I remember. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because um, I was glued to that. But uh, but afterward, after we started to do so many, I probably didn't. You know, I probably stopped watching. Oh yeah, hundreds, like 200 190, no, 290. It's so many episodes of the show. It's, it's a lot of episodes, yeah. And like you guys like I think season 3 is like 55 episodes or so. Like it's crazy. <laughs> How many episodes were in a single season? No, I know. I know. It they got, turned it, it out quick. Like, oh, we're making money on this. We got to keep it going as fast as possible. Yes, yes. Even if you guys weren't available for a week, I remember every once like I, I think it was uh, Greg Berg would be Donatello two or three times. And like it was like yep. what? Why tell us something different this week? It was so strange to me. And like the, the idea that they wouldn't wait, like whatever. Well, well, that was strange to us. Sure. And they, yeah. they did that to me a lot. And they did that, to, I think, to Rob a couple of times. Yeah. Th that was very strange. And uh, and we uh, that was as as happy and wonderful a time as it was because we all got to work together and be together and be on a hit show and a great show. Um, that was always a little bit of a thorn in our sides because sure. why do that? In other words, I, I understand the desire to keep us together whenever we could be together. And I really welcome that, the fact that we weren't doing our lines wild and that we were all in the same room, which really was the pattern at the time. In the 70s and 80s, that's what you did. You did these like radio shows. You went in and you went in with, a, you know, a group of great actors and, and you know, I've got I got to work with people like George Hearn and, and, and you know, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., you know, and all these great, you know, iconic, you know, TV actors, stage actors, uh, Rick Moranis, you know, I mean, just great people. And you work with them. It's not just that they're in the same cartoon. You're in the same room. Yeah. You get to know them, you know, for 13 weeks if it's not a success like most of my shows weren't. <laughs> but um, but to then say, well, if you can't make it, though, and usually I couldn't make it because I was in negotiations because I was the Screen Actors Guild president. Oh, right. right, so right. I was in negotiations during that time. So I would be in New York now. I can find a microphone in New York. Sure. Easy. And the fact that they said, no, if you're not in the room, you're not going to do the show was, I think, really stupid because people still come up to me at cons and say, well, why didn't you do those shows? Yeah. 
It's crazy. You know, and they assume I was sick or, you know, or on strike or something. And, and that's not true. It was it was this producer who decided that unless you were in the room, you couldn't do the show. And um, that, that did not have a lot of uh, rationality to it. Yeah, I mean, and how undervaluing. And like, it, like I, I'm sure they're like, ah, oh, the kids will never notice. I was four. Right, and, exactly. Why does Donatello sound like that? He sounds different. Nothing against mm-hmm. Greg Berkman. Why the hell does he sound like that? Like, it just right. weirded me out. So, yeah, I, uh, I noticed. We definitely noticed. <laughs> now, sometimes, obviously, a replacement has to happen, as it, yeah. as it did with James Avery, you know, who, who yeah, got fresh prints and... and and Jim Cummings came in and did a fantastic job, you know, as as Shredder. What was uh, what was James Avery like? Amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah he uh, such a warm, decent, uh, laid back mm. uh, person. He was just so easy to be with. He laughed at everyone's jokes. And and um, and the guys always point out the fact that he he did all the recordings barefoot. He would he would kick oh. off his Birkenstocks and uh, and <laughs> did every recording barefoot. Um, and uh, he was uh, he was really exceptional. And gosh, we miss him. Um, oh, yeah, and a great actor, just truly a great great actor. I I saw him in some serious things too. And, He's just so good. I'm curious, as the show uh, uh, turned along and it got sillier and sillier, did the vibe uh, backstage change at all? Or was it always kind of consistent with you guys? I think we were conscious that the show was changing a bit. Um, I don't think, at least from my perspective, I don't think that ever became a real negative. Sure. Um, I think we enjoyed each other. There was a period in which they were pretty rigid about us sticking to the lines and not uh, ad-libbing, and that we we were a little bit inhibited by. Hmm. I can't remember when that was. I don't think it was when it was getting sillier. I think I think it was something that happened toward the middle. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it like, might have been. It might have been CBS. Oh, sure. That was saying, you know, mm, you know, pull back on the on the inside jokes a bit, and, you know, and pull back on some of that stuff. Maybe. I, I the, don't know. Maybe when because uh, at the end, the last like three seasons, it gets they try to make it more serious and gritty. And they're all. Yeah. They're much more boring. Would have been then. I don't know if that was. Yeah. Like- <laughs> well, they might have been trying. You know, you can't read people's minds, but. Oh. Yeah, they might have been trying at that point to compete with the rest of the franchise, to compete with the movies. Yeah, um, you know, to to try to uh, maybe honor the the original uh, comic book more. Um, you don't know whether that might have been a note from Kevin Eastman or mm-hmm. sure. or or Peter Laird. You know, you know, I, it, it's hard to know. Sure. Um, but, uh, but I think, uh, yeah, it did get more, more serious, but, you know, we just went with the ride wherever it took us. I was, uh, and we never stopped having fun. We never stopped having a good time. Like I'm sort of, I, maybe I'm in the minority. Like I really liked the first five episodes, 
but I don't think they're my favorite of the series. I liked when it got really goofy and gag heavy and silly. Like I love all that stuff. Like the show is a lot of fun. See, I have to go back because I, I people will always ask me, "What is your favorite episode?" Oh, how do you and, know? Like that's crazy. And it- I, since I've seen so few of them, you know, so I kind of have to go back. And do my due diligence if I'm going to keep doing cons. And I guess I'll do those. I'm 73, so I might have a few more years in me. But um, I keep looking at Shatner, (laughs) (laughs) who never stops. But but I think uh, I always say the first five, just because they told the origin story really well. I I thought that it really told the story well and set us up for everything else. Yeah. But I also think I say the first five because I'm most familiar with the first five. And I bet if I went back, I would see an episode and say, oh, wow, that is one funny episode. And sure. I guess that's my favorite. And then I could tell people what my favorite is. There's some good Donatello ones, too. There's like, like I said, <laughs> Donatello's always been my favorite. So like those are the ones I would watch over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> When did well, you thank you? You didn't realize at the time, but when did you realize Turtles became this monster hit? Like when did it hit you? When I went to a toy store. Okay. Sure. <laughs> it just all rose of- to buy gifts. And yeah, I had no idea. You know, I, I I went to a toy store not for Donatello or not for Turtles. I just went into a toy store to buy a gift. And then I saw all these turtle toys and i said oh my heavens wow versions of donatello someone's making a lot of money not us but (laughs) someone's making a lot of money yeah and uh and uh yeah it's uh that kind of told it to me and and then you know starting to do other things psas and sure i mean and and of course the fan mail and yeah it was it was pretty pretty daunting but i don't think i learned the full effect of it until I started to do cons like 10 years ago. What made you start to want to do those? Cause it's, I mean, it's such a gift to the fans. I, I I'm super grateful. So what made you start to want to do it? The way it happened was um, out of the blue. We, we, I had not seen Rob or Townie or Cam since I'd done turtles. Mm. So this was around to 2011, 2012, I think. And all of a sudden, I got contacted by Rob. Uh, I guess he found me through my agent. And he contacted me because he had a, uh, a show called Talking Tunes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A radio show. And he wanted to get the Turtles together for a reunion. Hmm. So we got together. And I think I'm trying to remember Pat, I think, was there. Renee was there. So we we got together for the first time since we had done Turtles and had a ball, just had a fantastic time. And then Rob started to do uh, conventions and had an agent um, who was booking him. And he got us together. We all went to an Italian restaurant four of us in universal city and he said you know i want to talk to you guys about doing cartoon uh cons because there's a real desire out there 
to meet all four of the original turtle voices. Oh yeah. And I hadn't known that before that. I didn't even really know what a Comic-Con was other than, you know, hearing about San Diego once in a while. Sure. So I had no idea. And I was kind of, frankly, retired from the business at that point. I was teaching uh, in an MFA program at my alma mater at Cal State LA. And so um, my first reaction was not overly positive. Sure. But it turned out that there were times in which they felt they needed all four of the turtles or the gig wouldn't happen. Sure. And so I said, you know, well, you know, if they need all four and it's a difference between you guys being able to do it, and not do it. Yeah. Count me in. And so. Uh, so I, I guess that's coming out of retirement, sort of, but not really. I'm, I'm still not in the rat race, you know, calling an yeah. agent every day. I'm still not doing that. I'm I'm living on my past laurels and my past pensions, <laughs> but uh, which are fine. But um, I think that's kind of how it's how it happened. And I went to my first one. I might have been Calgary. Hmm. Uh, it was either Calgary or there was actually it wasn't a con at all. But Nickelodeon, which had just kind of picked up the franchise, yep. was starting the new version of Turtles with Rob playing Donatello. And they wanted to advertise it. And they did a big thing at Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando hmm. where they had kids come up to meet the new the old turtles introducing kind of the new turtles and um and that was the first time maybe it was either the first or second time or we'd already done calgary but i can't remember which and it was a strange experience i'd never done a convention before and my first reaction was no you know i don't want to charge people for my autograph that's stupid I give my autograph freely and happily and, sure. and humbly. And uh, no, I don't want to do that. And then I kind of realized that it was expected and that it was all part of being at a con. And, yeah. and uh, so after I got over the guilt and it took me a few cons to get over the guilt. Sure. But, you know, but again, I didn't want to be the person that didn't have, you know, that, that kept the turtles from showing up. Sure. What countered the guilt was seeing the people and seeing how much they wanted to meet us. And I couldn't believe it at first. I, I really couldn't. And I thought it was a very small selection. And then it was it was it was multi-generational. I mean, in one case, there was a grandparent and a parent and a child, you know, and all walking up to the booth. And, and people would start to say things like, you were my childhood, you know, you were what I grew up. And then people would say things like, you know, because of Donatello, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm with Google now. <laughs> I'm with That's pretty cool. You know, or I'm I'm doing something for biochemistry, or I'm doing, and 
you know, because it was cool to be a nerd. It was cool to be a science geek. And, and once that started to happen, then I started for the first time, I think, to realize the scope of, uh, of the franchise. And, uh, and we didn't start it. The comic book started it. But I think we brought it to a universality that oh, is yeah. shocking to me, really shocking to me. And uh, to this day. So I'll keep doing them for that reason, but also because I have three brothers that I didn't have before. Uh, I had them while I was doing the show yeah, and then I lost them and now I have them back and now we're texting each other all the time. That's so cool. That's great. <laughs> and getting together to sing Christmas songs on Facebook and, you know, and doing all kinds of fun stuff. Um, you know, even though we're pretty mostly all senior citizens at this point, so. The uh, you ever give Rob a hard time about becoming Donatello as well? I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> I work really hard not to do that. No, I no. Look, at, uh, you know that show business, and I was pretty much retired anyway. You know, so um, more power to him. You know, I mean, I was still the best, and he knows that. Uh, undoubtedly, of course. <laughs> I don't know that. No, that's not true. But um, but we, we we kid each other about it. Oh, sure. At, in, in panels a lot. When we do panels at cons, we kid each other. You, uh, you also... But I always put down, when he puts down Donatello, sometimes they want both of our signatures okay. on a Donatello picture. And I always put down uh, OG Donatello, just, <laughs> just so that everyone understands. <laughs> So you just you know so he knows his place in that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> the um you also returned for the 2012 cartoon as Donatello. Uh, what was it like getting back in the saddle doing the voice like on a cartoon again? Oh my gosh, was that fun? Cool. And again, that show also wanted people in the room. Oh, did they? I didn't know that. Yeah, that they long, did. They couldn't time. have everybody. I think I think Sean might not have been available on that one or Okay. Um, but, uh, but Steve Zahn was, I think he was in the room as I recall. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a ball. It was so much fun doing that. You know, that I'll come out of retirement for it. That was, yeah. that was a ball. And then they gave us more episodes. Yeah. Those are those crossover. Episodes. So it wasn't the fir- just, we thought it was just going to be one episode. And then all of a sudden we ended mm-hmm. up doing an arc. Sure. And gosh, I mean, it was it. Yeah, that was tremendous fun. And then following up on that shock of shocks, uh, I was every time I think I'm in retirement, they pull me back in. Uh, (laughs) But uh, then I ended up uh, joining the guys to do the original voices again for the game uh, Shredder's Revenge. Yeah, you just did that recently. What was that like? Yes. Well, that was separate, unfortunately. Okay. Uh, so we had to do lines separately. So we didn't we didn't get to get together. We were kind of ships that passed in the night. We saw each other sure. at the studio, but we didn't um, we didn't work together. And that was great fun. Yeah, yeah. That that's challenging. Can... Doing a game sure. is is very challenging because um, it's a bunch of lines. They're pretty well disconnected. You don't know what the context is. Sure. Um, so it's it's very different doing that and yeah and i ended up doing that and bebop so you know that was uh um but that was a lot of fun 
A lot of uh, I was talking to Townsend a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, like, it's crazy that you guys never did a video game before that. It's nuts. I know. There's a hundred. Well, we never did any other medium. We we never did other than right. Rob. We never did any other cartoon. We never did any of the movie voices. And that was by design. I mean, yep. that's what they wanted. They wanted each iteration to have its own sound, to have its own vocal sound. Um, and uh, uh, so we never uh, we we never did that. Cam was saying uh, when I interviewed him that his one of his favorite reunions that you guys did was. You all did a car commercial, which is like we did. Honda. Yes, cool. you were all in the same room for the first time since '96. Yes, yes, really cool. We did. Was that well? No, was that after Transdimensional? I think that was after Transdimensional. May have been before. I could be wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember now. But I remember him saying like he. Not everybody was in the room for the 2012 show, or maybe some of them were. Um, but no, everyone was in the room for oh, the 2012 oh, show. Oh. I think, yeah. I think maybe someone missed. I, I'm trying to remember. It's, it all blurs, but I'm I'm trying to remember um, whether ev- all the four of us were there. I think we were. Oh, cool. I tend to think we were, unless Townie couldn't make it that day. Maybe he couldn't. I don't remember. It's it's but, such a sad thing that that's such that's so undervalued today is to do those voices because there's a certain rhythm and warmth yeah. being together. It's really lost. It's it's upsetting. It is. It yeah. is. And 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 um and it is sad because I I definitely think something gets lost. Um uh, I, I always end my interviews by asking who somebody's favorite turtle is, but that's silly to ask you that. So I figured <laughs> I'm assuming it's Donatello. Although Cam said Michelangelo, so he threw me for a loop. But usually the voice actors just say their favorite Because Cam wanted to do Michelangelo and he wants to do it to this day. I know he does. <laughs> He's not giving up on that. I'll tell you. It's hysterical to hear him lament how being stuck with all the boring lines as Leonardo. It's so funny. Yeah, my favorite turtle is Donatello. There's no question about that. So let me ask, instead of that question, do you have a favorite turtle catchphrase or anything? Oh, wow. That's a great question. Because Donatello, of all the turtles, never had a catchphrase. That's true. Yeah, you're right. He never had one. And people come up and they say to me, and, and some people have done research on it and have said, you know, well, you know, do, do a catchphrase. But I never really heard Donatello with a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. So I actually had to create one okay. <laughs> uh, because I think my mind is telling me that Donatello said it at some point. So my favorite catchphrase now, because I put it on my pictures <laughs> at cons, yeah. is give them shell that's the one that's on my my animation cell behind me yep uh-huh <laughs> that's my favorite and sometimes i use go green machine and i might have done go green machine as donatello i can't sure. remember if i did so sometimes i do that um but you know i i don't think i i well i say cowabunga a lot in the video game Sure. But I never used to say Cowabunga much. In fact, I don't believe I was ever called Donnie. No, no. In the old show, they never had the, the nicknames, which is strange. I never had a nickname. And yeah. Mikey did, I think, didn't he? I don't think so. I, I think th- he was always Mikey, wasn't he? I feel like I, I, he's one and of those. Raph. I thought Mikey, Raph. I thought I kind of remember I those, but Donatello. 
Yeah. Not really. So he, he didn't have a nickname. And, you know. I mean, the, the I, thing to catch kind of a party pooper. What can I say? No, no nickname, no catchphrase. <laughs> the closest thing to a catchphrase may have been all the time that his bow was broken in half. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Which is kind of lame for a catchphrase. <laughs> mm-hmm. not, a, not a great one, you know. No. I've got to get another bow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let you go, but I know that you have a couple cons coming up you wanted to talk about. Please. Uh, what, uh, well, Emily- yeah. If, if I hope that some of you guys can come see us. We're going to be in Seattle at the uh, Emerald City Con um, this coming weekend. I leave tomorrow and we're going to be there Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So actually, if you're showing this on Thursday, I leave today and I will be there Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I'm trying to I think it that's the what the 19th, 20th and 21st. Does that yep. ring August a bell? 19th, I think. 21st, yeah. And then right? another one in September. Uh, in all September month. in Indianapolis. Yeah. Yep. Over uh, uh, the 9th through the 11th, I think. Yeah. And then in uh, Greenville, South Carolina, we're going to do something we've never done before. We're actually going to do a toy expo. Oh, cool. Uh, We're doing the um, retro toy expo in Greenville, South Carolina in November. I don't have the exact dates, but it's like around the 19th to the 21st also. Have you signed a lot of toys in your, like in, in cons and stuff? Oh, yes. Yes. Toys. Also, the, the big thing that 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 comes up that I sign tons of is the um, the DVD set that comes in the turtle van. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And generally that gets all four signatures. That's cool. You know, actually, you know? this, this is because there's so, so much- I try not to be the last one to sign it because it's really hard to find. <laughs> Once the other three guys have hit it, it's very hard to find the right Total. place to sign it. But yeah. uh, sorry, my last question for you is: What is the weirdest thing somebody had you sign as Donat- for Donatello? Do you remember? A lot of weird turtle merchandise out there. Well, themselves. That's weird enough for me. That's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you know, G-rated. But themselves. (laughs) Um, Still pretty weird. Yeah. Well, a lot of a lot of people come up who are pretty well, uh, pretty well tattooed. Sure. With turtle stuff. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, and one one woman asked me to sign it at a very specific place because she was actually going to have it tattooed. Oh wow. She was gonna have them go over it and have the signature tattooed. Wow. So um that could definitely so that was probably I guess that's the weirdest. Cool. Um I've signed pillows. Okay. A little, but but I get I have to go with themselves. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh yeah. I'll let you go. Thanks so much for your time. This is a real thrill. I appreciate talking to you. This is great. Brian, I enjoyed it anytime. I loved it. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, turtle power. Turtles, heroes in a half shell. Turtle power, they're the world's most fearsome fighting team. We're really hip. They're heroes in the half shell, and they're green.